and welcome to this eerie extra of Such a Nightmare Conversations About Horror. Eerie extras are the places where we do all the things we can't fit in anywhere else, and today's eerie extra is somewhere between an eerie extra and a spooktacular, because we're doing a fast response reaction to a very new film, Halloween Kills 2021. I am Katherine Troyer. I'm delighted, as always, to be joined by the one and only Anthony Tresca, but the one and only Anthony Tresca, who is already <laughs> going to be making me really sad about your feelings about Halloween Kills. Yeah, you know, it's that time of year again where you force me to watch a Halloween movie and I I hate it. You, yeah. <laughs> it's become our yearly Halloween tradition. It has, and it's not even, it started to like extend over to, it's not even just the Halloween franchise anymore. I tried to get you in to watch a beloved Halloween film of my childhood, and you were like, so boring. And I was like, S -s -s stop it. Uh, so apparently, <laughs> Halloween-themed films <laughs> and, and my preferences and your preferences are definitely not in alignment. Yeah, I, I guess not. I, this uh, Because this film does definitely continue that trend, at least for me, of diminishing returns at least from me come returning back to the halloween franchise because i feel like i started i started from a i i've obviously started from a place of not enjoying the original 1978 film and for more on that and our discussion on that go back and listen to our spooktacular episode on that from a couple years ago uh and then and I thought I didn't like that Halloween movie. But then I saw 2018's Halloween, and then I was like, wait a second. Maybe the original actually had some merit, because this is terrible. Oh but God. now, now, now that I have seen Halloween Kills, it just makes me long for Halloween 2018, when we at least had some ideas and a screenplay and coherency in, in what was going on. So I, I long for the simpler times of 2018, when I thought Halloween 2018 was the worst oh we could get. Gosh. And now that we've alienated 90% of our listeners, uh, no, I, I thought it was actually really interesting that you, you texted me and said that you, part of you, the, the like masochistic part of you wanted to go back and watch the 78 because you, yeah. you were pretty sure you were going to have a new appreciation for the I, I think so. Oh, yeah. Because I think, I, I think where this film just kind of lost me was in its new this it's not a new approach to michael myers but it's this like forcing him to like kind of reset and just become this like unstoppable they're really leaning into the unstoppable yes. force of nature aspect that john carpenter himself has identified as being the most interesting part of michael myers yes that's not the most interesting part of what i think michael myers is Me. but that's what these right okay 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 yeah. interesting yeah i i think you know and I've mentioned this before in prior uh, episodes uh, about other slasher films, but I think that our our desire that often manifests in, in sequels or in remakes to to create a context for the boogeyman mm -hmm. um, and whether or not that's creating a really elaborate backstory or in this case, almost stripping us of the backstory and saying, like, he's not really even a human, so it really doesn't matter what what was wrong with him as a child, he's just the, the boogeyman, right? I, I find that either yeah. of those approaches sort of ruins sometimes the the potential for for our, our big bad to to be so much more. Uh, and I think that by by either 
giving us too much of a background or by stripping us particularly of the sense of humanity, it does remove a lot of the themes that I think are really interesting. Yeah, and I think it was really interesting to hear uh, David Gordon Green, who is one of the directors, he helped produce it, and he was one of the three credited writers on the project. He talked kind of specifically about how the entire reason that they came back to do this franchise was to get away from that other approach that you mentioned, the two types of pro approaches that you can go with for a, ho for a horror, specifically slasher sequel. He felt the other films had done way too much work trying to explain Michael Myers' backstory and like trying to ground and make this slasher monster sympathetic and ground and kind of ground him in the real world and so he hated that approach mm -hmm. and so he's like specifically this approach will get him back to that force of nature style michael myers from the original who has no discernible backstory mm -hmm. uh and that so that was specifically the intended goal of the and creator i i didn't I, I definitely, if I have to pick between the two, right, this extended backstory that, again, as we've seen with, like, our discussion of Nightmare on Elm Street, always somehow includes, like, these traumas of, of rape or incest, right? Just yeah. without fail. Yeah. So I am super happy we're getting away from that. I'm also okay with the idea of somebody just flat out saying, why does this person keep coming back? Because there's something extra, right? I mean, the, the Nightmare on Elm Street series just leaned into that hard and it's worked very well for them. I don't think it's yeah. worked as well for the Halloween series in part because because it's it is a little unclear to me if they're saying he is truly extra as in supernatural extra as in, um, you know, they they just refer to him as the body. Right. So like that uh -huh. he transcends. I'm not entirely sure that they've worked out what extra means. And, and it kind of it seems like what was extra at the beginning of the 2018 film is different than what was at the beginning of the 2021 film, but also that what they were doing at the beginning of the 2021 film, Halloween Kills, was different than what's happening at the end of Halloween Kills. So we don't even have a consistency within an, a one given text. I, I, I could not agree more. This is That was one of my central uh, qualms with the film, is that, I and I think it's a similar problem to what we just saw in, the, in Nia DaCosta's new Candyman film, in, when you do the transcendent horror uh, is in, it's it's in right now. I don't think we we can. Everyone wants their creature. I guess in the age of a franchise to be able to truly transcend because that means it's not about one particular actor. It's about the character who can be extended on for uh, for cash for you know, in coming future. And and <laughs> the slightly less cynical view. It's also because we're finally beginning to acknowledge what as a culture, what horror creators and horror scholars have known all along, and that is that these can be metaphors for these really big systemic issues. Yes. So there is also that, but you're right, that it is it is something that's very popular right now, and we have to assume that it, just as much as it might be a reflection of cultural zeitgeist, it's also a reflection of, of money. I, and whether, I, I can't imagine that the writers actually sat down and it was any, it, was a, it wasn't about money. It was probably about this, it was, yes. it is a clear trend in from horror creators uh, right on both like the novel side as well as on the film side of being obsessed with this idea of transcendency. But where the problem comes in is when you then use that idea to just kind of be like, none of this matters. You can just kind of like, our, our character can now just kind of do whatever. Because previously, Michael Myers had been playing by some kinds of rules. Mm -hmm. Some He's better at the game than everybody else. Mm -hmm. 
but he is playing by the same set of rules as everybody else. In this movie, he's a god. I, I there's no like I some well sometimes I'm sorry sometimes he is a god who can just like vanish and appear uh, like with that kid. Uh, he can sometimes he can definitely just be shot, stabbed, ripped apart by a beaten to death by an entire mob, and then just what like get up. It doesn't even matter. So, uh, which I think when you have that element in there, it just kind of, I don't know what, it, there's not really a way to keep the stakes up in a slasher movie, which I think is at the essence of all good slashers. Why you're scared is if you really do believe there is perhaps some chance that they can get away, that something could happen. But when you're dealing with this transcendence boogeyman who is basically magic at this point and can do it every once, I don't really feel like there ever really was a chance where that, this could have gone the other way at this point, which is frustrating when you're yes. when you're in this genre. Yes, there is an inevitability to to the film pretty early on. And, and to be perfectly honest, I you know, I think that when you go see these types of slasher films, you are hoping to see sort of impossible feats. Right. So I honestly yeah. had, had very little problem with him managing to have survived the house burning down. I had very little problem with him wiping out all the first responders because even though those were, you know, ridiculously over the top, that's that it was ridiculously over the top within a slasher context. Yeah, but, but you yeah. are correct that, you know, the Lori's care, Lori, the char character of Lori uh, makes this, this line towards the end where she's like, you know, I think the only way we're going to be able to defeat him is if, is if I die and he dies and we kind of like wipe out the balance and, and I'm okay. You know, it'll be sad because she's an interesting character and because I love Jamie Lee Curtis. So it, it'll be sad if they kill that character because then they're saying for sure, yeah. hopefully for the last time, this is the end of the, of the franchise um, until the next time they, they reboot it. But right. but while I, I am okay with her dying, I also feel like, it, again, like you said, they've built such inevitability into it. Like this is what's going to have to happen. And yeah. if she lives, it's going to be, it's going to feel almost like they, they add, they made it, fit when it shouldn't have right like if she lives it's going to feel exactly. like they have denied us the closure that they promised us um and if she dies then we've known this really for over a film and a half because we, we kind of knew that about the halfway mark of, of halloween kills and that you're right it removes the stakes in ways that are, are a little disappointing we've seen this uh, again in Candyman, we saw some of that as well. And, you know, we've also seen this in um, Nightmare on Elm Street 4, because this is the same plot of, like, ultimate evil versus ultimate good, where Alice is the balancing. Is, yes. they're, they're each other's halves. They are playing the same thing, which is super duper interesting idea. But in that film, they totally commit to the idea that Freddy Krueger is this magical thing. So you obviously know he is this elevated force. And then, in turn, they put Alice on that force. In this movie, they're kind of back, bouncing back and forth between where they put you on the human scale and where they put you on the God scale. And I mean that both for Michael Myers as well as for Laurie to yes, some extent. Because too. there's a really interesting narrative thread that happens in the film that they that they don't resolve problematically so. And and that is that, you know, she says, it's, it's all about me. Um, he's after me. If I die, then, you know, and she's kind of like elevating herself also to this this like level of, of um, fate, right? Like Greek yeah. Roman gods level of fate. But then everyone's like, no, actually it had nothing to do with you. It had, it had everything to do with just his crazy doctor who puts you, who just said, Hey, Michael, I've happened to release you nearby kill. And let's see what happens. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. they don't ever answer which one is correct. And I'm not sure they're going to for for this newest or, you know, for the, the next film. So I think it's going to be one of those things that it's a little bit of, um, you know, yeah. have your cake and eat it, too. Yeah, I, I, I think I think may, I don't know. I think maybe I did, I thought that they did kind of answer it. I thought that at least from my viewing, I thought that they did kind of clearly say Lori was right. Only only she is going to be the one to be able to defeat it because, and this is my argument, what we are watching is actually get this libertarian horror. This is we've watched what this is an entry in libertarian horror that is all about the promotion of the individual, the elevation of the singular self above the rest because who is the real villain in this movie it's not michael myers but it's a cord of people coming together united and strong who then have to be killed because there is no power in the group the only power is in the individual that's interesting i i I would say that what we are watching and a reason why uh perhaps it's not surprising that i did not i don't find a ton of excitement and joy in this is that it's just libertarian kind of horror this is what this is stuff that would scare that i i imagine probably scares libertarians but it's not super scary cuz i'm like i don't know i feel like if this group happened if we're playing by the rules that were established in the original kind of halloween and to some extent even the 2018 this mob should kind of be able to defeat Michael Myers by banding together. They are able to make it to where he can't kind of run off on the sides and get out and then be able to pop back up because they've encountered him. They've blocked him off. But then, and this movie kind of says that that should work too for some of it. And it it does work until it just doesn't anymore. Which is... That was actually my favorite. The the mob mentality part was was probably my favorite part of, of the film. So there are two mm-hmm. things I really like, and, and I've mentioned these before, but I'm always a big fan of what happens after, right? Because, yeah. and, and th- these are things like, this is this is the whole premise of, of books like Grady Hendrix's The Final Girl Support Club group, support group, right? Where it's, you know, like, but what happens next? Um, so I liked the, the idea of lingering trauma. I liked thinking about these characters who were, who have lived in a town and why would they still live in that town? But they do anyway where everything is is haunted by by their past trauma. And I also mm-hmm. found it interesting to have it immediately proceed right after the previous film so that, you know, um, the granddaughter can say, like, I'm so upset. My dad just died. But also, yeah. uh, I I need to, like, I'm getting caught up in this moment. But but you're right. that There are some problems with, with the articulation, particularly, again, when we have these two sort of contrasting threads. I do think, though, that the mob parts worked for me the best in terms of, of raising interesting questions. Right? Mm-hmm. So the scene of the inevitable scene, uh, you know, where the other uh, person from the, I can never figure out if it's a prison or just an institute, but the, the, yeah, the, you know, the Lane, person, he yes. was from the institution. Yes. With and, them. and, yeah. you know, when they kill him and, and of course it was so inevitable, but it was also still a very devastating scene. Yeah. I, I found that very interesting. I found that very interesting um, as a film that's coming out after some of the riots that we have been experiencing here in the U.S., uh, I, you know, I don't know when they wrote the script versus not, but you know, it is hard to not think of of the Capitol riots and things like that, and to think about like what is an acceptable form of being angry, and when do you have the right to say enough is enough, 
and when do you not have the right to, which is never to kill, to kill innocent people, right? Or to, to try attack people, period, attack people, period. So I thought, I found that thread of the, the narrative to be really interesting. Yeah. Uh, and then I did kind of like the, like, um, very beauty and the beast, uh, <laughs> let's kill the beast scene where, you know, the, like people have like one person had an iron in their hand at one point, yeah. you know, like I thought that was delightful. But I will say there were some tonal issues that I eventually need to get into that, that tied into the mob scenes. So. Yeah, I, I think that the mob, a lot of the mob scenes I thought were, I thought were really interesting because I thought that I didn't know what they, but I didn't, I don't like where they ended up, I think. So I think I like a lot of the individual pieces of those scenes because they, you're right. It is, I think those are the places in which the source of horror is most clearly articulated. I just don't think that they're ultimately able to then like carry that through line of horror all the way through to the end because of how they ultimately are so willing to be like uh, disregarding the actual events that happen in this film because they're like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We have to reset. Michael has to re has to escape, has to escape. So we none of this can really actually have that much effect on anything. I was thinking about, cause I like this film more than you. Um, I don't like it as much as the 2018 film, and I don't mm -hmm. think that I like it, and I definitely don't like it as much as the 78. Uh, but I, I didn't hate it with a passion until like you did. But I've been trying to think about like what is my at the core my biggest issue, and surprisingly enough, it's not what is usually my biggest issue. So usually, my biggest issue is that it feels like there is a grab bag of sources of horror. This film said, "Here's the source of horror." horror is beyond right it is it is yeah. the boogeyman yeah. is is super natural and they they stuck with that from the beginning through the end did they always execute it well no but that was clearly their source of horror in this film my problem was that they didn't know what genre of horror they were trying to be and and some of that is is that and i felt this way and we talked about this with 2018 as well that you know there are, there are these moments of of humor which is a little unsurprising considering that Danny McBride is, is one of the, the people associated with these projects, which is yeah. so weird to me. Um, but, but there's these humor, like, like the big John, little John, you know, is yes. set up to be this really campy and it's almost delightful. It's, it misses the mark a little bit in places, but, but it's almost there, but it doesn't work in a film that is also simultaneously trying to be like a, a silence of the lambs, really deep horror, as well yeah. as it like it just the, it was trying to be every type of horror possible a slasher uh, a thoughtful horror a uh, you know like what jordan peele calls the like societal horror and then also but a, a horror comedy and sort of a campy horror and you, you can't do all of that you just can't I, I could not agree more the film changes every single time it changes location it's not scenes it's locations yeah. because it really it knows what it wants to do in a particular location like every all of the scenes which means it led to a very frustrating viewing experience for me i really really liked the way that this film and i i know i just heard me say i like something I about I'm it i'm so excited i'm like I, on I, bated <laughs> breath i really really did enjoy the way the a lot of the kills in this movie this is that's why you go to this that that's why you go to these movies and you know what they they definitely they definitely deliver green sets up some really amazing kills i love the one 
the scene where they like uh, the woman had the gun. She turned so it back on it. I uh, <laughs> I watched. We watched the film at home because we didn't have the strength. To yeah, go to the theaters. Yeah. And I had gone like this to reach into a bag of chips, and I covered my eyes for that second. And uh-huh. my partner was like, "Oh my gosh, that was so cool!" And I was like, I just, "It was just a second. So we had to rewind it. Because, but yeah, it was such a such a delightful um, way to like show again to connect to that theme of like perhaps we are our own biggest threat, right? Um, and that, you know, yeah. maybe the, the danger is, is who has the gun, period, let alone uh, whether they're good or bad. So yeah, there were some delightful, really great uh, sort of practical effect style kills. And so those were, I re- they, they had a really good idea there, but anytime they would cut away from any scene that was not in that pathway to Michael's house, it was, I, I thought that the film just totally, it would try to, it was always trying to do something else. Yes. Whether it was the grounded, real approach to the boogeyman or this magic approach to the boogeyman it was doing one of those two things in this other world that was not consistent with it because i would say in the scenes that we see he is real like he is not magic michael myers that we see he is just the same michael myers from like the 78 version where he's playing by the same set of rules that everyone else is and that which works i think but it's then when they try to not do that that the film gets a little bit messy. And I think that interesting, as though I did like the kills themselves, I think that they still, this film still weirdly has the same problem as the 78 film and that it is every single person who dies. uh, I mean, again, I may be just reading too much into this, but they are all, a lot of the victims are very, have a, uh, are victims from historically marginalized groups and, and of people who are transgressive. So you've got the interracial couple death. You've got gay people, death. You've got stoners, death. You've got trans. You've got delinquent kids, death. You've got uh, a woman, an empowered female black doctor who shoots herself with her own gun. You've got an. In- you've got a black emasculated man who dies because he won't get out to defend himself, uh, and or his or his partner. So I, I think a lot of these like the. Con- so again, this is an element that has been present in the Halloween film since the '78 version. This is really conservative view of of a morality piece of like who is good, who this film franchise thinks is good, and who this fam- film franchise thinks is bad. Yes, that is an element that I can't say came out of nowhere because uh, it certainly has been always a part of this franchise. But it is an element that I always dislike when I see it because I just don't understand why this film keeps insisting that they are the bad that they are the bad people and this one does it yet again even it, and i I will, I will not i don't think that i'm reading too much i don't think i'm reading no, too much into this not. because those are the victims that we have that we yes i and i i feel which makes me feel a little bad because i just said i liked seeing all of these kills because i like them in execution yes. i don't like who they're being executed on and and I, I that is so so really important because it's it's not just who who dies, although that's a very, very significant part of it. It's also who has the the lines or the part of the dialogue that's intended to to do some of these more transgressive, non-traditional slasher things like the comedy, right? So I think about the mm-hmm. interracial couple and how like she's really good at doing the like little drone. You know, and it's actually it's like a delightful little quirky element. But the yeah. problem is is that you can't have your most interesting characters be your diverse characters that are then also going to die. And that was 100% how it is. So, you know, I, and I realized that, that Lori was injured for the majority of this film. Mm-hmm. And that that's fair. Mm-hmm. But, like, 
she's it's not she's not a very developed or interesting character which again it's jamie lee curtis so we could have done so much with that but the, know. but you know <laughs> um the daughter and and the granddaughter also just not very interesting characters and if we're gonna take tommy and we're already making a change in cast uh for mm-hmm. for the, whatever reasons they did to the delightful anthony michael hall who's who's been in stuff since since he was a wee babe right like uh you know 16 candles breakfast yep. club he's in all these things so we know he can do different things why can't he be our gay character right so if we can't have him be a non-white character because again tommy was a character from from the earlier just like the nurse Mm -hmm. just like the little Mm -hmm. girl uh why can't that character also why does he have to be like uber masculine and i realize that there's a small way in which the film is like criticizing like that toxic masculinity of all solve the problem little ladies and the little ladies are like dude that's not michael myers but it wasn't enough right like it's not enough yeah. to to rectify what you were absolutely correct it's just a really problematic element of of this film that we it's time to be better than that right it, you know it wasn't okay in 78 but but that's what was happening in 78 in films but in 2018 that really shouldn't have been happening in 2021 it there's just no way it should not have been happening. And if that is the only way that you can build in diversity is, is for your with your cannon fodder, there is a fundamental flaw in the narrative that, that can be fixed. It can be. It really can. I, yeah, I, I think I had said this right before we started is the frustrating part about talking about this film is I don't think that intrinsically all of this is all of this is bad. I think that there's a lot of really interesting stuff in in this film i think that's particularly you could have done a really interesting horror articulation on with if you had just really committed to the mob mentality that was what you that was really what you wanted to focus on that's where you and that's how you're going to build up this other the town around you and include those more diverse characters is what I, that's what i thought anyway uh <laughs> yeah. that would have been really interesting to see i thought that because the, the last and i think I, I think that is what they were attempting to do the last film was really focused on the family model yes. and then this one they wanted to widen it out and yes. bring in the rest of the community of haddonfield and i think that's a really good idea you I, well, yeah. listen i love elm street and that's the yeah. entire thing that they do Absolutely. is the community level horror the problem is this that they could never they didn't really figure out how to make the community level horror really feel like it was happening on the community and as such they would then just cut back into those individual houses on the way to michael's house which by the way cannot believe nobody figured that one out yeah. michael myers is doing the same thing he always does going right back to his house what yeah. nobody yeah, there, was, there one was a little bit of like the out. like oh um you know like I, you know, he keeps going back home and they're like, well, let's keep hunting for him. Yeah, there was a really weird, like, where they acknowledged it, but then they still weren't using it as the, yeah, that, <laughs> it, that was definitely something that, <laughs> that didn't quite make sense, didn't quite check. But like you said, I think what's so frustrating about this film and why I can't just um, use the metaphor of being able to throw out the baby and the bathwater uh, right. is, is that there are <laughs> these, like, little things that that show so much potential and some of them are really tiny. The one that one of the few moments where I felt the humor really succeeded was when the, those obnoxious kids were on the swings and they were like, you know, not going home. And they're like, there is a killer out here. And they're like, Oh, you mean the gentleman that we've been like playing hide and seek with? (laughs) And you're like, who, if ever someone deserved to die, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Uh, 
and so it was funny, yes. but but it, it again, like you said, I, th- I really think you hit the nail on the head when you said that the problem is is that location by location, we have a, a brand new, it, it's almost like they said, okay, we're doing a Halloween film, but you get to take location X. What type of Halloween film do you want to make? A horror comedy, a social commentary, a traditional slasher, and they're like, fantastic. Okay, we're moving on to the next location. And then they just kind of tried to shove it together, and and that didn't work. No, un- unfortunately, it, it did not work. And I, I, I'm i unsure. I, I mean, I know where the franchise is going from here. Uh, it's going onward and upward. We're getting another We're getting another Halloween movie uh, yes, before, next year. Before you oh. talk more about it, there's one other thing I want to say more. about Halloween Kills. And that is, is that, uh, again, you and I are big, big fans of um, practical effects. And oh, I think yes. that, and we, we just need to acknowledge... That in a film that could have just made Dr. Loomis be CGI'd or, or any number of things or done or also with some of the other like flashbacks when we they cast younger actors instead of doing that weird de-aging process on people that feels really uncanny. Yeah. But instead yeah. of having Dr. Loomis be CGI'd or anything like that, I just have to give a huge shout out to the film for saying, nope, we're doing practical effects because practical effects work. And mm-hmm. it, it, they... It was a, who was the person that, that got to be? So it's actually the film's art director. That's so cool. Uh, his name is Tommy Jones Jr., uh, who, who, play, who was the physical body of Dr. Loomis in the film. And, and I've seen the makeup, right, like in the trailer, so you can kind of see it perfectly lighted. And it is beautiful. It is beautiful mm-hmm. makeup um, and beautiful prosthetics. So I just, I think that that's something that, that that, again, is another reason why it's so hard to just be like, blech, I cast a side you film. Because there, there are these moments that you're like, ooh, you did exactly what you should do. Um, yeah. Okay, but you said we are going upward and, what is the, what did you? Onward and upward. Onward and upward. Thank you so much. What is, what is next? So we're, so next is Halloween Ends. Okay. In 2022. So big claims similar to Freddy's dead, <laughs> I guess, in terms of like, this is supposed to be it. Um, but obviously Green talked about in a separate article how it's more of like the end to his his trilogy. And he knows that like, they're uh, Blumhouse oh, who yeah. now has, I, I, I guess I had forgotten that Blumhouse, uh, many Blumhouse rant here. I had forgotten that Blumhouse owned the rights to Halloween uh, until oh, I, don't I think I knew I had, that either. Play. Yeah, yeah, they, until, they yeah. had the little thing yeah, up right. on there, and they yeah, the, their little logo oh, thing, and I was <laughs> because I was like weird. They they had shown some like terrible trailer for one of their new horror movies in front of it in the theater that I went to, and I was like, what really? A Blumhouse trailer got the last trailer before the movie starts, and then the thing went up, and I was like, mm, oh, we're watching. Oh, I didn't realize this is a Blumhouse. We were inside the Blum house the whole time. <laughs> and we couldn't get out. <laughs> uh, maybe that was too yes. mean to, to Blum house. Yeah. But I they're mean, bringing they have back. Given us, they have given us get out. They have given us some yes. others. But yes. but also, also a lot yes. of the issues <laughs> I think can be traced back to, to some of Blum house's strategies uh, yeah. for making films. Okay, so Halloween so ends, one... which is the, the end of at least this version of the end. So the where is the last two films basically took place on this like the same day in 2018. This one is doing a time jump. 
Okay. We're going four years into the future. We are where, and this is the this is the description. Laurie Strode and Michael Myers will clash one last time. Four years after Michael's last massacre, where Haddonfield is still recovering from the horrifying night of 2018, the COVID-19 pandemic, and particular politics. Oh, holy cow, that's a lot. Oh my a, God, I, it is lot. certainly a lot that, yeah. uh, that they are attempting. In this one little description, yeah. there's a, there is a, enough horror in yeah, here for, for like four or five movies. I, I mean, I... I guess at least we can say they're being ambitious. You know, they're not like letting uh, it just kind of fade gently into the good night. Uh, I guess they're, uh, to put it like a prediction on like the way that they're trying to do, I guess the first one was individual home, like really, really small, five micro family units. The next one was a slightly larger community. And now with this one, they're like, uh, society america and you know we uh, see that trend often in trilogies right that it's yeah, like uh, i mean this is this is the hunger games scenario right where we start really small <laughs> and then it's like oh yeah well, now we have to have the games be a little bigger then it's like nope the games have to be even right we we do this all the time uh but that's a, a lot to pack into a film i also am unsure the final minutes of, of halloween kills where karen the daughter is killed mm-hmm. felt very Odd to me, again, there was another tonal shift, but I I wasn't sure if we were supposed to treat that almost like a Nightmare on Elm Street style fake, right? Like uh, that this is a a dreamlike moment or if she's actually dead, dead? Do you know? Apparently that's not the real ending. That wasn't what uh, Green originally talked about what the ending should have been. Now, Green also, in saying that this wasn't supposed to be the original ending, he did not say what what it was all he said was it'll be released on the blu-ray so i guess it was more of a he included it to like make us buy the blu-ray which i don't know if i'll do i may just watch the i because he he teased the scene very much like he was like you remember in rogue one where at the end of the movie darth vader comes out and there's this big fan servicey moment where you like everyone he's like we filmed one of those and that was supposed to be how the movie originally ended I assume he doesn't mean with Darth Vader, uh, but uh, <laughs> although you know, I mean, we have another like godlike figure, so maybe uh, that's what the next one is. Michael yes, Myers. Yes, that's what Darth I want it to be. Vader. I want it to be um, reeling from the aftermath of the 2018 right. events, dealing with COVID, dealing with political events, dot dot dot, and the Force, and then that—that's yeah. the film that needs to to come out next. <laughs> so. Uh, I would love to hear uh, people's responses. This film has really created a very polarized effect. Oh, my God. People are like, I love this film. And people are like, how dare you speak of garbage in that way? And then people are like, garbage? What sort of horror person are you? And then there's the, the like people that are just sitting back with the popcorn and watching the, the dumpster fire. And they're like, this is fantastic. Because it's neither terrible or awesome. It was just, you know. So I, I would love to know your thoughts after listening to our thoughts uh, what caught your attention? Anthony, if they decide that they want to to communicate with us, how do they do so? Well, you can feel free to reach out to us using any of our social medias, which are linked in the description to this. Feel free to uh, 
follow us on our YouTube page, all of our social media accounts. Leave us comments and ratings on wherever you get your podcasts from. That really helps us there. So if you just give us like a five-star rating on iTunes, that would be amazing there. You can also email us if you have any comments that you want to get, which is also linked in here, so that you can either suggest a future episode or let us know uh, maybe some comments that you maybe didn't want to share to the rest of social media but you you want us to just know and consider yeah uh, and since this is our spooktacular episode happy halloween Yay! happy halloween <laughs> thank you so much for listening to our nightmares and have a spooktacular day <laughs>